This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. Now, before you say, what? What is she doing in a military shirt? She normally has all these fancy scarves on. Well, in honor of my guests, Jason Skisick. I kept it on. Woohoo! Hi, Jason. Hi, Sandy. How are you? I'm so honored to be here, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. First of all, I am a little jealous of your shirt before we even get into anything. <laughs> Yeah. Coffee dogs and jiu-jitsu. I've never forget, I've never heard your last name. I've never seen that shirt. My wife got that for me. I love it very much. And it's very much on brand for me. Okay. Well, we'll get into <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that. Let me just tell them a little bit about you, which I've never heard this before either. So I love that. Jason is an entrepreneurial evangelist. I love that with an exclamation mark. He helps passionate entrepreneurs build the foundations and frameworks they need to make a massive impact on the world. He spent his life pursuing professionally those things that he's most, I love this, you love personally and that you love to spread to the world. I mean, does it get much better than that? I mean, come on. Not for me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's an entrepreneur, coach, and podcaster. He brings energy, experience, and curiosity to anything he does. Jason, before we get into it, I always ask my one word. What's the one word that best describes your past 30 days and why'd you pick it? Could be anything. Whatever pops in your head. Struggle. Uh, Yeah, uh, easy. That's an easy one. Uh, What I find is... um, Genuinely, uh, the the more I've been an entrepreneur, the longer I've been an entrepreneur, the longer I've been trying to increasingly do more difficult and challenging things, uh, the more intensely I have to struggle to break through to another level. Um, and I'm I'm building a business right now that uh, around entrepreneurs, around tribe, around a podcast and a mastermind and a course, um, mm-hmm. and trying to uh, make it undeniable means that I have to purposely seek out as many problems as I can. And so I'm in the problem finding business in my own stuff right now. And that's struggle. It's struggle. Uh, it's hard to to look at the things that you come up with and, and think are great and then put them out to the world and then very quickly need to find what's wrong with them and what's broken. So I can't linger on the compliments or the things that are working great, which most of it is. Uh, yeah. I have to have to focus in on the stuff that there's struggle. And so the last 30 days, I'm, you know, we just exited our our uh, our big beta uh, launch uh, over the the winter and the fall. Um, and so now as I'm really starting to think about turning up the volume on the business, I'm struggling to just really make sure that I'm crystal clear and w- that our business is undeniable before I do. Ah, uh, Jason, that brings up so many questions because yeah. I can see when you say the word struggle, it doesn't look sad or depressing. Oh, no. Some of my guests come on and they're like, you if you focus in on the problem, you're going to see, you know what I'm talking about. You're going to see more problems. So you want to focus in on what's going well and build that. And here's my deal with that. It's semantics. You know what I mean? People say different words for different things. So, okay. You're solution oriented. So when 
how do you feel about that? Because so many people say, well, if you're a problem hunter, then you're just going to find more problems. But when you're saying it, it's almost like exciting to you. It is because I am naturally somebody, as are you, I can tell just by talking to you very quickly, I'm very naturally uh, optimistic, passionate, and creative. Well, that makes me, usually people call that a visionary. And so it's easy for people like us to come up with a new idea that's great and, and go solve a problem. What's much more difficult is once that's done, once the egg has hatched, is to actually train it to be great and is to actually poke holes in it and find where it's wrong and create an undeniable uh, product or solution or business or whatever it may be, or birthday cake, it doesn't really matter. Um, and so absolutely, I am the most optimistic solution focused person. Yeah. But there was a yeah. word that I learned in college, and I've never heard it again since. And the word is satisficing. And what satisficing is, it's very commonly a problem in corporations. It's where you find the fastest um, acceptable solution for something and then you move on. And the problem is, is when you find the very first six, uh, like uh, six, um, acceptable solution to something mm. and then move on and not look back, you oftentimes don't put the best solution into place. And so, uh, so for me, I always think of that term and I'm not even sure if it's a real word, but I do remember learning it in college. Uh, like satisficing it. is where you're seeking to solve a problem. And so you go with the very first thing that satisfies the objective. And ultimately I don't think that build leads to greatness. I think that leads to mediocrity. Mm. You know, Jason, <laughs> I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, by the way, you had me right to the point. I am. I like big vision, big picture, creating new ideas, throw enough stuff yeah. against the wall, something will yeah. stick. And when I, I owned health clubs my entire life, that's all I've done since ni- in the 1980s, but I sold them in 2019. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. You, you beat me out by a year. <laughs> Yeah. But now you're making me realize what I'm missing. I brought in someone that had worked with me since the time he was 19, a trainer to become my business partner years later. And he did exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I'd come up and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And be like, whoa there, Weston. Yeah. Stop. How about we stay with this idea and really poke holes in it and blow it up? And so I had that balance. I think now, and I think a lot of people are experiencing exactly what you're talking about. It's fun to do the other stuff, but I'm not really enjoying the other part, like sitting there and like going over it and over again, you know, to come up with solutions of what's not working. Because I do know if I keep doing the same thing, it's not working, then I'm kind of insane. Do they say when you do the same, wait, that's not working. Let me just do it again and again and again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my response to that would be that um, it was a very difficult thing. I think there's like three levels to this thing uh, that I'm about to explain. And I think the first level is where somebody says, um, you know, you, you don't want to, um, you have to, you have to love failure. You have to, you have to learn to fail quickly or this, this is a lot of axioms like that. You hear that um, over, over time. And the first level is to go like, you fail at something and it just totally wipes you out and it, and it deflates you. And this was my big idea and it didn't work. The first time I threw it at the wall, it didn't stick. Oh, woe is me. And then the second level is like that same thing happens and you go, this is terrible. This is awful, but I'm tough and I'm going to stand back up and I'm going to fight. And then, and, and then if you do that enough, what you realize is just almost without a doubt 
it's the it's the standing up in the fight it's the standing up and coming back and fixing it that actually yeah. makes the great idea and so if you do that enough i think you get to the third level where you go all right how can we fail quickly how can we fail quickly all right so let's do this that didn't work great that means we can fix that little part because nobody got better from things going the way they're supposed to no good story that you've ever been told in any movie book TV show or music has mm -hmm. ever been about things going how they should and working out fine. It just doesn't work that way. That would be boring. Right? Yes. But let me ask you this, because my friends, and maybe they're right. I don't know, Jason. <laughs> say that I have this issue. Why? Because I love mountain biking. Do you always pick ways that are uphill both ways? Like, I, I don't. I exa exactly what you said. It didn't work out. I don't care. You, you yeah. just keep knocking me down. I don't care. Yeah. I'll go up. I'll go up. I'll go up. And then it makes it more exciting when I finally go, ah, it worked. Yeah. But maybe too much. Do I like, like I, if I got it easily, I don't know if I'd enjoy it as much. They're like, I get the hills, but does it have to be always that way? I don't, I don't know. Well, you tell me, what is it that you like about it? Because I think ultimately it, that's what matters. And so for some people, they like when they don't have to pedal and they can go downhill and there's not too many bumps. Ooh. I don't think, I don't think you and I share that passion. And so, mm -hmm. so what I would say is you, I, I think about this stuff a lot. I, I think the word for it is like meta, like a meta analysis. I, I think about, I do things, but a lot of my time is spent thinking about how I do things. And what I like about them. If you listen to my podcast, it's why do you yeah, like being yeah, exactly? Why do you like being an entrepreneur? Not why are you an entrepreneur, but like what about it do you like? And uh, why did you do that product? And what about it? Like why did you want to do that product? And so to me, I think so often you just you have to tie your goals to the struggle and to the discipline and to the. Um, choosing uphill both ways. And so if you can do that in the same way we talked about fitness before we went live, uh, in the same way that if you really want abs or to lose weight or to be healthier or whatever the thing is that you want for going to the gym, if you really want those things, it behooves you to sort of fall in love with what gives you those things. So you have to be able to draw that connective line from the abs to doing sit-ups every day yeah. for a year yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I like that analogy. All right, we're going to jump into a couple of questions I got for you, yeah. right? I asked my peeps and they're like, let's go forth. So this is a young man. He's 35. He worked in corporate America his whole life. Parents paid for his schooling, yada, 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 went to good school. He hates the nine to five. So he's going to break out on his own. Now, keep in mind, he's 35, but his parents are saying, no way, Jose, that's not the safe route. And we paid for your education. Mm -hmm. He's looking for you to tell. He said, can Jason talk to my parents? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I wish he was here. Is there any more? Can Jason talk to my parents and say, I really appreciate the funding. And when I go out on my own, I'll pay you back someday. But it's it's draining me. I feel, feel like somebody's stepping on my heart, quote unquote. So he just wants advice of how to approach his family, which he's now 35. And wouldn't they want to be happy? And I get it. They paid a lot to go to Ivy League schools, blah, blah, blah. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a, a complicated answer, but I think I can give it a shot. Uh, for starters, um, the, the biggest thing that jumps out to me is draining you. Uh, I, I don't know if I think you did mention it, but I was a commercial ban- uh, commercial banker coming out of college. Uh, I had started a business, a small gym, and, and went to school to be a, a finance professional. And so I was a banker for a few years. Uh, and I was fine at it. And it was great. It was one of the best starting jobs I could have gotten from the college I went to. Um, ah. And uh, it was fantastic. And um, But all I could think about was my tribe, my, my gym that I had built, right, with my two friends. Um, and so that's only to say that um, there's really three types of work, Sandy. There's work that you cannot do. You're not good enough at it and you're just not qualified or whatever. Don't do that. Don't try to do it. Don't put in <laughs> applications for it. Don't go interview for it. If you're charismatic, don't take the job. If you know you can't be an electrical engineer or whatever. Uh, yeah. Then the other one is there's work that you can do, but every single day it drains you, no matter how much of it you do, no matter how much you get to try to be excited about the money or the, the opportunity or whatever, mm-hmm. it still just drains your energy. And, and I recommend that you try to eliminate or limit at least that amount of work. And then the third thing that you do is work that gives you energy. Sandy, I swear I know 100% that this, what we're doing right now, gives Sandy energy. I can see her getting more and more energetic, not this moment, but in most of yeah. the moments of this podcast. And that's yeah. me too. So what I would say immediately is that this, what was his name? Oh, he, it's Billy Bob. He wants Billy to be an Bob. Love yeah. it. Billy Bob, Billy Bob, you should try to fill your days with things that give you energy. That's number one. That's unequivocal. I cannot imagine in my heart of hearts that your parents would disagree with that. So let's set that to the side. Okay. The Got second it. question is that, making a career change after you've invested a sunk cost of after you've invested uh, in, in an expensive um, education. Well, uh, the first thing I would say is, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to start a business or do you want to change professions? And so the two different things that I think of as entrepreneur versus um, employed versus self-employed are business, uh, a business and a profession. So your profession is what you do and owning a business is whether or not you make money doing it. Right. And so you may be in a situation where you're great at your profession. You're a lawyer, you're a doctor, you're a marketing professional, and you may want to have a profession. You don't want to learn about the accounting. You don't want to learn about hiring and leadership and all those Mm -hmm. other things. Totally fine. What I would recommend to that person is find a way to do your profession as good as you can in an environment and for a company that gives you energy, assuming that your profession does. If you want to decide whether or not to have a business, Mm -hmm. that needs to be much bigger. That needs to be bigger than the profession of what you do. Because I can tell you right now, Sandy, I can introduce you to 500 terrific personal trainers that are terrible business owners. And they thought that because they were good at personal training, that they had to or should open Mm -hmm. a gym. And that's just not the case. They wanted to be professionals and instead they tried to be business people. Now let's address the parents. And so for the parents, the parents, and I'm just going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here, Billy Bob, I've never met your parents and I'm sure they're wonderful people certainly doing well. If they put you through an Ivy league school, um, here's the way I would look at it. People that believe in college and I'm one of them. I've, I've got a degree. I've been to three different colleges. Um, there's a structure and a 
certification process that comes along. There's scaffolding. When you go to Harvard, what you're doing is you're saying, I took this class and this class and this class and this class. These people said, I knew what I was talking about. I turned in that paper and I got an acceptable grade. You're building scaffolding for your career and for your life. And so what that does is it shows people who value that particular thing you went to school for that you're one of us. You can do it. You're worth taking a look at. You're qualified. And so what I would say is if you want to make a case to your parents who clearly believe in that system for you becoming an entrepreneur, well, then you need to show them the scaffolding that an entrepreneur would put together. And so that's where you have mentorship. That's where you have, maybe it's courses. That's where you have structure like systems and SOPs and training and uh a CFO or a CPA that does your uh, that does your taxes, you can put into place the same scaffolding and structure that produces successful entrepreneurs as you can that produces successful bankers or lawyers. Does that make sense, Sandy? It, it makes so much sense. And I love the way you broke it down. And Billy Bob, you should record this and have your parents listen to it. Okay. <laughs> Good luck to you, Billy. I loved that question. It was one of my favorite. It's I, great. And I've never had to answer. I, I love this idea. I would do this every day. Uh, I love answering questions like that. So keep them coming yeah. if you have them. Otherwise, yeah, I do. I, we won't get to them all. You know, I don't mean to hurt your feelings. You can always reach out to Jason. Okay. So this young lady, she doesn't want the Google search. She wants to know, what does the word entrepreneur mean to Jason? When you say this is an entrepreneur. Now, let me tell you why I wanted to bring this up. Some well-meaning person, let's go with well-meaning, yesterday asked what I was up to, and I took this year course to take my keynote speaking engagements up to the next level. Nice. Because I want to get on the bigger stages. And it's risky. Yeah, I get it. And this guy said to me, oh, okay. So you're going to just keep banging your head against the wall until you finally get on the big stage. I go, listen. I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. I know what it's like to not give up and be laser focused. You know, if you don't, it doesn't go this way, it goes that way. And he says to me, I didn't throw my water. Entrepreneur, it's just a word. It really doesn't mean anything. Work for someone, entrepreneur. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm going to go to the ladies room right now. Yeah. I've never in my life heard that. So when this question came up, you could see my heart's pounding. Like, yeah. Do you know why? Do you know why? Why he said that? No. Do you know why it gave you such a, a visceral response? I don't have an answer. I'm asking. Yeah. Oh yeah, I do. I really, my whole life loved being an entrepreneur and I felt like it was part of who I am that I was able to take something from scratch when nobody else saw anything there and build it, even if it took me three years. And to me, it was like a badge and honor. Like I did that. Yeah. So for this guy, and I get it, he works for someone else to say entrepreneur work for someone else, just the word who cares. (laughs) I had to step away, you know, wasn't going to come out pretty. So just to address that, you just stole the words right out of my mouth. That's why I asked you, because I was curious what you're going to say. For me, the first thing would be identity, right? Uh, To be an entrepreneur, a lot of it is identity. And so it's like saying, 
what, what's the big deal? You just got a haircut. But if you're anything like me, the day you get a haircut, you walk into a room different. And so that like, if you think of yourself as an entrepreneur, you carry that as a part of your identity. So from like a identity perspective, I think when you were saying that story, it just immediately jumped to mind for me. What I always say to people though, when they ask, what does an entrepreneur mean to you? It's people who see the world as it could be and can't help but take action. It's not somebody that's great at oil changes and wants to have a building that does oil changes all day. That doesn't mean you can't be an entrepreneur in the oil changing space, but what an entrepreneur does is they have a vision for the way the world can be, and they are, can't help but take action. Yeah. The yeah. difference, the difference between somebody who's an entrepreneur and self-employed is a self-employed person solves the same problem every day for the most part. And an entrepreneur solves the one problem one time as good as they possibly can, and then puts a system in place to do it forever. Does that make sense? And so I, whether that's more in depth with that, I think we need a little bit more on that. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, I could tell you all of the technological ways that that happens now, but I'm not going to think about the printing press An entrepreneur, a self-employed person at that time was writing books An entrepreneur mm-hmm. was like, I want to write the best book and I want everybody in the world to see it. Maybe it was the Bible. In fact, I think the Bible was a driving force behind that. Uh, and so I'm going to make a way where I don't have to sit here and write the letter T, the letter H, the letter E all day, every single day, because ultimately the vision that I have, the impact, the the scale that I want to make for this world is bigger than my ability to write the letters onto the page. And so he mm-hmm. had to solve, or she had to solve, it was he, but uh, had to solve, who was it? Do we know off the top of our head who invented the print? No, press? I don't. Man, we should. It was a, it was a grade school thing. But anyway, uh, that's a perfect example of we'll an it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we'll have it pop up. What's his Instagram handle? Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, that's driving me nuts. It's pulling me out of it, Sandy. Uh, no. Anyway, uh, yeah. So an entrepreneur is somebody who who solves the solves a big problem as well as they can one time, and then builds systems and teams and and industry around it. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And I think, which I got a lot of questions on this, is a lot of the young people that listen to the show feel as if. Their parents think, oh, you just don't want to work for somebody and have set hours. That too. And that's, there's more to that, to being an entrepreneur. Yeah. I mean, I've told people before that you couldn't pay me, honestly, any amount of money to work 40 hours a week for somebody else, but you can't stop me from working a hundred hours a week for myself if it requires it. It's, it's, it's the challenge the problem, however big that is. And many months, that's 20 hours a week. And some months it's a hundred and it doesn't feel like I'm ever working. I feel like I retired in 2018, which is the last time I can tell you that I did work to get money. And so because of that, uh, I feel like I'm retired. I just do this. This is what I want to be doing. Sandy, there's nowhere I'd rather be right now. Yeah. I want to be on yeah. this call with you. Yeah. And when I'm building a system later or whatever it is, it's the thing that I want to do to make something to help the people that I serve to go and make things and help the people they serve. Well said. Well said, Jason. And I'm going to take this next question right now from this mom. She is an entrepreneur. Okay. She's been in business her entire life. Her husband's a lawyer. He works for a firm. But her daughter wants to be an entrepreneur and she doesn't want to scare her off, but she's afraid it's just because she doesn't like being told what to do. Mm. And how can she open her eyes more or what would direction she would be? She's going to go to college, but she wants, she says, I just don't want to work for someone, but she's afraid it's not because she's 
passionate about something. Here's the thing. I can go two ways with this, Sandy. I could give you all of the different pieces of advice I could give to that person. I could tell you that she should reconsider going to college if she doesn't want to work for people. I could tell you that, um, that, that she may not know what she even mm-hmm. likes yet. She's too young. I could tell you that she should take an internship for a summer or for six months with an entrepreneur and do the same thing with a lawyer or a doctor. But the truth is seeds don't need sunlight. And what I mean by that is so often people like you and I that have been through things and, and have learned hard knock lessons, it's so hard not to open the door on the vault of experience and information that you have. Yeah. And what I've found yeah. is that seeds don't need sunlight. They just need pressure and time. And so what I would say to her is to put herself into pressure for some period of time and pay attention to how she responds. If she's self-motivated to solve her way out of things, she may be an entrepreneur. If she's looking for somebody to pull her out of the hole, she probably needs to get a job. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. You know, this is perfect timing because Jason, in a few weeks, I am teaching for the first time. It's been, it's a dream of mine. Good luck. Congratulations. To underprivileged high school kids. They probably won't graduate high school. They bring them from Philadelphia to a local community college to take courses. I'm bringing brought in. They asked if I would teach entrepreneurship. The foundation of entrepreneurship. I've never (laughs) had a course in business in my life. Like I fell into, because I loved what I did and I, Ooh, this would be fun. And I love challenges, but I was a dance major. You know, my master's is in exercise physiology. My story is, you know, it's incredible and magnificent. I think the reason they're bringing me in is because they read something that I grew up in the projects and I could relate to these kids, but let me ask you, I don't want to tell you what I'm going to do. What would be the most important thing if you had 90 minutes with these kids that you would want to say to these kids who are coming from really rough backgrounds, yeah. may not graduate high school. They could be, you have no idea where they're living or what they're going through to sit up there and just go, here's the set. I don't know. Key elements of being an entrepreneur just it doesn't seem like they could. Yeah, it's really a, it's a good question. Um, so for starters, congratulations. I think the reason they picked you though, is because uh, it may have been the things that you said, but also um, I know a lot of successful people that don't have half of the sort of uh, empathetic charisma that you do. And so I think that if I was going to try to persuade mm. someone to live a better life, I would want to put them in front of somebody who's like super jazzed to be living that life. Yeah. And that's you, Sandy. Yeah. And so yeah. I could see, I could see why you or I would be, would be a good fit there. And then the second thing is this, I would you say would be that- great. You would be awesome. <laughs> I appreciate that. I don't know if I'm going to be standing on any stages anytime soon, but um, what I will say is I've been thinking a lot about discipline and I think for somebody like me, you know, I've got the tattoo. There's my core values. One of them's military mindset. I got the big mustache and I do jujitsu. And I think people think I'm very disciplined, but I don't feel very disciplined. I feel like I do what I want to do. And I feel like I've taken some steps, albeit a lot of steps to being able to do what I want to do and be compensated for it. 
Um, but ultimately, the thing that I think discipline is, is it's putting an investment in the bank of you. It's discipline is I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do pushups. That's an investment in my physical health. I'm going to pick up an audio book and I'm going to listen to a book by Tim Ferriss. That is an investment in the bank of me. I'm going to go to jujitsu and I'm going to learn how to uh, move my body and, and uh, protect myself and potentially, you know, do things to other people that to stop them from being aggressive, right? Whatever it may be, that's yeah. an investment in me. But what I've found, just like any sane person, I would never put my money in a bank if I knew that the bank wasn't going to give me anything back. And so where discipline starts is understanding that you are an investment that will pay back. And if you can Ooh. believe that, then you will happily put investments into that piggy bank every single day. The reason people don't is because they don't have the self-worth to believe that that investment will pay fruit. And so they look externally for their fulfillment. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, I want to hug your cheeks. I love oh, that. Good, good, good. Uh, and so what I would do to start that. So how do we start that? I'm a kid. By the way, I think it's a good time to mention I was pulled out of regular school in first grade. I spent first grade to seventh grade in a behavior disorder school. Uh, we had smoke breaks in the 90s. Um, whoa, and uh, whoa, and whoa, so whoa, when I was eight that. years old. When I was right, eight years minutes. old, I was in classes with gang members from the city. Like, what did you so do? I read a hundred Stephen King books and studied at my own pace. And there was a few teachers that took me under their wing and let me train and learn at my own pace. And I got into a lot of trouble too. And yeah, and it was, um, it was, I, I shouldn't be who I am, but I think honestly, I wouldn't be who I am if I hadn't been through that experience. But why were you pulled out of first grade? I was a terrible student. I was never a, I was never what I would call like a bad kid. I was never violent or anything, oh. um, but I was probably the worst student. And here's why you probably weren't very good at a student either because I need to know why, because I need to know why. And I, and when you tell me why it's usually not sometimes not right. And certainly not enough to satisfy me. And so I was very, I was disruptive. I couldn't sit still. Uh, so one of my, uh, one of my core values is military mindset. The other one is spirit of the puppy. Well, that's most people call that ADD. Right. And so that's, that's me. I was, I was a pretty tough kid. And so I was pulled out of school and, and my mom, God lover, got me put into that. They had them put me into a private school that was year round. There was no summer break. Uh, and it was 45 minutes Ooh. away. So it was a 45 minute ride in each direction. Uh, and it was 40 kids. And I was the youngest for several of those years. Um, and, and it was K through 12. So, or whatever, one through 12. So, uh, this is only to say, if I was to speak to those people, I would yeah. start, I would start to give them things about their self-worth yeah. and how do we get self-worth? Well, we start, I mean, Sandy, what is somebody who has a little loss every day that's sitting on top of a, a pile of losses in their life? Like, what do you call that person? A pile of losses. I don't even know what you mean by that. You call them a loser. Somebody who loses no. every single oh. day. You, you call that person a loser. But what is somebody who gets a small win every single day? What is somebody who's just sitting on a pile of wins? That person is a winner. And so how do we get small wins and start to build them up? Well, we start by, hey, today we're going to eat healthy. Today we're going to wake up early and go for a jog. Today we're going to go to the gym. But what happens is you start to see those things pay off. This is why fitness is so connected to yeah. entrepreneurship is because in a very real way, I can do something and see its positive results paid back in, in dividends, right? And so once you do that, then it becomes infinitely easier to go out and do that in a figurative sense in the world as an entrepreneur or as a student in college or as an employee, whatever it may be. Good point. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's a good point because you're right. A lot of these kids 
it's struggle after struggle after struggle. And they have to see small wins, little things, you know, to build up the morale, especially and their self-worth and believe in themselves. You're right. But, but here's the thing. and, And this isn't, I'm getting there from this conversation. This isn't something I've thought about before, and it's not meant to be political. But what I would say is if every time there's a struggle, I don't overcome it. Somebody else does for me. I Mm -hmm. never get the benefit of seeing my own self-worth. Does that make sense? Uh, 100%. And so because of that. Yeah. That's, and so, and that's not political. No, yeah, that's, I don't mean it to be. Yeah. I don't mean it to be. Uh, no, I just, it's not. I mean, you got there. You, you can't learn in a book how that happens. Right. Yeah. I couldn't make you in a college class. There's no way you see no. what I mean. No, no, you, you just can't. Yeah. And that's the thing when, when people would say to me, well, what was your secret sauce? Like, how did you get here? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, do you want the good news? Or do you want the bad news? Like, you don't want to live the life I led, but that got me here. Mm-hmm. You know, because for me, I mean, I tell those people all the time, I am relentless. Uh, if I really believe in something of hearing yes. So when someone says no, no way, I go, you said maybe? You mean not today? Maybe tomorrow? Okay, well, let's go. I don't take it personally. I think of it's just okay. You're not in the right mood. Let me call you back. Unless, <laughs> unless somebody says I'm begging you, which yeah, I had the dean of some college say to me, "Okay, just give me another year. We don't want you to teach this course. Okay, I'll give you another year." I am so like you said, passionate about what I do and believe so much in what I do that I don't take it personally. If you tell me no, no, no. Do you get that from your belief in the thing you're doing or your belief in yourself? If you had to say combination. Yeah. Combination because, and I mean this and (laughs) I'm not putting myself down, but in a way, I had an advantage over a lot of kids I know. Like my husband, this whole neighborhood, I call it Pleasantville. Uh, I mean, like people don't grow up like this. Good yeah. family, good friends, everybody's happy, nice life. Yeah. No. Where if I just graduated high school from where I came, it was a win. Mm-hmm. So as far as self-worth, anything I did, pump gas for a living, that's a win. Be a you know a waitress, which is nothing wrong. I liked it. So I have an advantage. Like I thought I was the bomb because I graduated high school when everyone thought hmm. you're just be grateful, you know, to get a job. And if you don't graduate high school, it's okay. So they took me for debt. Even the counselors, the teachers. So do you see? Not that we want to repeat that, but I have an advantage because no one's expecting anything of me. So my self-worth and my belief in myself, I think the universe has my back all the time, hmm. all the time. It's interesting. I Even think- if you don't, like, uh, you don't, you don't like me. You don't, there's somebody else looking out for me because I'm here where I think when you're coming from really nice families that expect this from you. I see a lot of kids that can't live up to that. And so they don't feel worthy or great because they're not who their mom was. And I worked with a lot of those privileged people as clients. And I think, yeah, 
I got it made. And they go, Weston, you got a weird way of looking at the world. I'm like, well, I don't want to repeat that. But do you see what I mean? Like, no one's expecting anything of me. That's fascinating. Here's the the follow-up to that would be, have you, because I I think we're very similar in a lot of ways um, because I feel that way. I I don't necessarily know that I would say that I think the universe has my back, but I've always felt capable of achieving the thing that I wanted to achieve. I never felt like Mm. I've I've never felt like there's something that I really want that I couldn't possibly do. There are things that I literally know. I know that I will not go to the hall of fame in the NBA, you know, like those types of things, but in general, the things that I want to pursue, I typically feel like I can my question to you in, in reverse would be, have you seen that given to anybody? Or do you think that that has to be either born with or earned? Because wouldn't you love to- I can tell you're a podcast host. This is the most interesting interview I've ever done. So- I just think you're super interesting, by the way, Sandy. No, I, I worked my ass off for it. Meaning yet, since I was a little kid, I felt there was somebody- bigger than me, couldn't put a word on it that was looking out for me. Mm -hmm. And I had a big purpose. So even when every, the odds were against me, I didn't really have the family, whatever kind of in the streets, I felt this universal love got somebody was loving me so much and had a big purpose. Like I thought that since I was five years old, that being said, I, every single day live my life like carpe diem. I'm going to do the best I can in this day. And my I have one mission on earth. This is it. My middle name is Joy. I'm going to spread joy. And whatever I did, I was going to spread joy. It didn't matter what the vehicle was. Now, the vehicle ended up being dance because I could entertain people. Um, I used to go in the mental institutions and entertain people, and I could see them smile immediately. I'm on the next flight. I'm coming out to hang out with you. You're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, but well, my mother spent 50% of her life in mental institutions. So it wasn't just being poor. It was that. And I didn't tell anybody till a year ago, because when you would tell people, they would go look for the, you know, the shooter job. And so I had to just, I wanted everybody to just take me on face value. You know, it was cool growing up in the projects, but having a mom like was not cool because no one really wanted to hang out with you. But that being said, I knew I was going to spread joy. I'm going to spread joy. That's my main mission and how I do it. I could see I could bring a smile. I could shift energy in an instant just by tap dancing. Mm-hmm. And then that. Of course, you're a tap dancer. Yeah. <laughs> and then that led to. Oh, that's great. I was a dance major. And then I met the right people when I was getting my internship teaching aerobics. And these people saw something to me. These were all the CEOs and CFOs of Philly. And. I don't know what they saw in me, but I didn't care who they were. Like I got to work with the biggest sports teams and the biggest names, but I was like, okay, I don't really care. And they liked that. So my secret sauce is I was just there for them. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't there to get something out of them. I didn't care who they were. I didn't want their money. I didn't want to manipulate. I just was there for them to see all the goodness in them. And I could take someone that you would probably hate and I could find the goodness in them. And that was my secret sauce. And Don't then they wanted to, to help me. They wanted to help me. And the next thing I know, I'm the luckiest girl in the entire world. And that's why right now I'm like bored, sort of like I'm doing a lot of businesses, but it's not enough. And I don't know what it is yet, Jason. I'll figure it out. Hmm. That's fascinating. But let's get back to you because this is ridiculous. And I didn't even get to all your questions. And I know you're fascinating. 
and you are a great host, but let's dig a little deeper because how did you go from the military? Okay. Now I want to be an entrepreneur. I know you so, said you don't want to work a nine to five. And I, you know, it's funny. Um, thing version. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I also I share a similar, though not the same uh, feeling of since I was very young, my grandfather, who was a very successful, very dark skinned man, was a pilot and officer and colonel in the uh, Navy in the Air Force during World Mm -hmm. War Two, and became a very successful, prominent lawyer in for like civil rights and is dark as the wood on my table. Uh, And so he was very successful. And and Mm -hmm. I think that my mother and him very much primed me to feel like I was going to be successful, but I didn't know how, I didn't know what the thrust of that would be. I just, in my mind, always felt like, well, it'll work itself out. It wasn't Mm -hmm. until I went to the military and got the discipline to actually live up to those things that maybe I was potentially capable of that I was actually able to start seeing real world success outside of just like sports and being smart Mm -hmm. in a class or whatever. And so when I got out of the military, I did two things at the same time. I went to school for finance because I had spent my entire time deployed to Iraq, reading fortune and books on sales and and all of the, I'm I'm self-educating. And the whole time it's, I'm going somewhere, I'm going somewhere, I'm going somewhere. And so I get home and what do I do? I do the thing that you think you're supposed to do. I try to get to wall street, right. Uh, Or whatever Chicago's version of that is. Right. And so I go to school, I get into a finance honors program. I do very well uh, at the same time uh, as a hobby, as I've always been doing. Uh, I just try to do my hobby as much as I can. That happens to be rock climbing and CrossFit at the time. And so we started a gym with like $9,000 split three ways where we basically built this thing out of nothing. And it was like at the same time. So if, if, if spirit of the puppy and military mindset are the two things that make me, me in my core values, I was living them separately. I had military mindset. I'm going to school at work at the back. I'm on the 57th floor looking down on the world and the whole world could be my oyster. And all I can think about is that tiny little tribe that we're building with 30, 40, (laughs) 50 members at it. Um, And so it wasn't until I decided to combine the spirit of the puppy and military mindset that I ended up with sort of becoming a full-time entrepreneur and taking the discipline that I had learned from the military and from school and applying it to this paper bag floating in the breeze. That was my, you know, adult playground CrossFit gym. Uh, And so that's how, that's how we got, that's how we became, that's how I became Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur. And then what about the podcast? Podcast I was born to do. So like I said earlier, I had a 45 minute each way commute when I was a kid and my bus driver loved like Rush Limbaugh and sports talk radio and all this other stuff. So I grew up, I grew up every single day listening to a couple hours of talk radio against my will. And then when I was a teenager was when Loveline and Art Bell, uh, he had, I forget what the coast to coast with Art Bell. These were like overnight talk shows that were on the radio and I would be under the covers with headphones on and my mom would come in and try and catch me. I would sleep to, uh, to talk radio. And then it was audiobooks. Mm-hmm. When I was in the military, it's all as many audiobooks as I possibly can consume. I'm a very spoken word auditory type of person and learner. And so even to this day, uh, I sleep with headphones on uh, and have a podcast going all the time. Um, 
And, uh, really? yeah, and I've been listening to podcasts since like 2008, uh, pretty much every single day. Um, and, uh, and I probably listened to 20 hours a week of podcasting that while I'm awake. Uh, and so I knew that it's same with jujitsu. I was a fan of jujitsu in 93 when my dad mm-hmm. showed me the first UFC, I didn't start jujitsu until 2018 or something like that. And so it's one of those things where I knew that it was one day going to happen. I was going to have a podcast. I was going to do jujitsu. I just knew, I just didn't know when, and when I did, I knew I would probably do it forever. Oh, Jason, you are fascinating. Okay. So we're going to wrap up soon and I better ask you this. Okay. What is one of your, like, if someone's out there saying, you know, Hey, I'd like to be a client of yours. Are there any criteria you have that like, okay, this is my ideal type of client. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty simple. I work with uh, coaches, consultants, and solopreneurs typically, though not exclusively. Um, usually it's experts, the people that have the magic between their ears and they just don't know how to scale it, right? They've broken mm-hmm. down brick walls. They've worn all the hats. Um, but really the way I like to put it is if, if you're going to climb Mount Everest, if you're going to try to climb Mount Everest, I want to be your Sherpa. I will not drag you up that hill though. And so if you're somebody who wants to be the best at what you do in your portion of your industry or your market or serve the people you serve the best, and you want to go up that mountain, I'd love to help you get there. Got it. All right. So they were asking what you do for fun, but I know what you do for fun. All sorts of stuff. I just counted the other day. I've had 26 like major hobbies in my life. Okay. Do you, I didn't know it was called rucking, by the way. Do you Mm -hmm. still ruck? (laughs) I I live in the dunes. I have no choice. I ruck with my baby on my back almost every day. And about once a week, I ruck with the dogs with a, with a 40 pound pack on and sometimes a log on my shoulder. Yeah. So I always wanted to take all the boot camp classes when I was in college and that's what they would do. They would make us put these weighted backpacks and yeah. logs and it was fun. It's a yeah. good time. Yeah. Wait, I like it. Cause I, I don't like running. Um, and I, I, I like to, um, I like nature. I like, I like talking to somebody for three hours un- uninterrupted. It's like having a private podcast. I like having yeah. time to myself for three hours where I'm not on my phone at all. I'm out in nature. I'm thinking about my place in the universe or my businesses or my relationships. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's wonderful. I call them solo missions. I recommend everybody does them. You don't have to rock. You can go for a walk. You can go sit yeah. in a float tank, which is something else that I do all the time. Uh, you can Ooh, go. You're not claustrophobic. No. And if I was, I'd be in there more often. <laughs> <laughs> I went in that float and I'm like, get me out of here. Well, where I go is about the size of your room. Where I go, it's not a pod. Where I go, I can go like this and not touch. The oh, oh, it's okay. pretty swanky, Sandy. Okay. All right. That's a whole different thing. This was like, you know, a little. Button. I know those, those eggs. Yeah. Pitch black. No, 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 no. Face your fears, Sandy. <laughs> no, I, I look out. I like outdoor stuff. And, you know, I'm the same way. I don't like to run, but I like to hike. I like to put weight. I, you know, how, wait, you said your baby. Do you still have a baby or are they bigger now? No, she's two. Lucy's not even two. She's uh, like 20, 21 months. Um, and yeah, and we, we on the back still. Yeah, we, we live about 200 yards off of Lake Michigan in the Indiana Dunes National Park here. And so I just throw her in the backpack and we go for a hike pretty much every day if I can. We've been in the water when it was 30 out. We've been in the water pretty much every day. Yes. Last year, I took my son to visit some friends up there. And they're like, yeah, we're going to go to the lake. 
it was so windy and yeah. like the waves were I'm like this is higher than the jersey shore like oh yeah this is no lake we can surf here yeah for sure it's it's not as bad as the city is city's a lot windier and 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 things like that but where i'm at here in indiana um is it's very it's very nice and sometimes it's perfectly flat and it's not salt water which is nice too yeah it said it's it's closed off but they had no lifeguards i'm like it's a lake (laughs) yeah i didn't realize okay now i know why it's closed off Jason, thank you so much for being on the show. I really, really appreciate it. And before we go, tell them every which way they can find you and listen to your podcast. Well, the first thing I want to do, Sandy, is tell them that if they're still listening to this show, it's because, like me, they love you. And so they need to be liking, subscribing, and sharing this with a friend because this is just absolutely – I've done more than 100 podcast interviews, and there's only one Sandy Weston, Sandy Joy Weston. And Uh so I would highly recommend you like, subscribe, and share. If you still have energy left at all, um, the the best thing to do to engage with me, if you feel like you you would like to learn more about what it it is we do, uh, I have a free Facebook group called Dynasty Builders on uh, Facebook. Um, and you can check out my Spear and Clover podcast. Um, but aside from that, just, uh, yeah, hit me up. I'm easy to find. All right, my let's keep it real people. You know what I'm going to say. Thank you, Jason. And until next time, toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, keep spreading the positive.